0: Hello and welcome to another engaging episode of Cyber Speaks Live, the InfoSec podcast recorded in front of a live online audience, giving you the community a voice that can be heard around the world. And now it's time for your host, Duncan McAlin
1: Hello everyone. This is Duncan Macallin. I am InfoSec War on Twitter and you are listening to Cyber Speaks Live, the InfoSec podcast giving you the community a voice that can be heard around the world we do this with each episode by inviting you to step into our studio and become a part of our live online audience participating in the discussion with our guest co-host and today we have a wonderful guest joining us before i get into some of you may have noticed that we have been on a little bit of a hiatus for the past few weeks but that does not mean we have not been actively working on this show behind the scenes and putting together just a fantastic lineup that is carrying us all the way through into January of next year. So in addition to Tanya Jenka joining us today, our upcoming lineup, if this doesn't convince you to subscribe to this podcast series, I don't know what will, but we have april Mardock joining us we're going to be talking about k-12 education cybersecurity, and her efforts in organization around that we're going to be bringing ian murphy oh my god the crack with this guy is just unbelievable he is one of the funniest guys i know in infosec and his approach to cybersecurity awareness and, and training it, it just <laughs> it's gonna be a hoot let me tell you uh Alyssa Miller, we're going to be talking about some DevSecOps stuff and, and getting deep tissue into that along with open source projects and, and some of the security that goes into all of that. Then Jason Streets coming on, we're going to be talking about physical pen testing and all the antics and shenanigans that man has gotten himself into. Now where Jake's going to be coming on and then L.O. Punk is going to be wrapping up our 2020. Thank God we're getting out of this year, right folks? But she's gonna be carrying us through on December 30th, closing out the year. And then of course we're gonna announce at the start of the year, the rest of the lineup moving into February. So, like I said, if that doesn't convince you to subscribe to this podcast series, I don't know what will. So hit anchor.fm. Forward slash cyber speaks live to be able to get links to joining from all the major podcasting platforms or on all of them, folks. So keep that in mind. Another thing today, you guys know that normally I like to open up the episodes talking about a nonprofit organization or an upcoming cybersecurity event, conference, whatever, and using that little three to five minute Segment to be able to help with the community, right? And being able to give back a little bit. But today's a very special day. So I want to take a moment instead in observance of Veterans Day here in the United States to just take a moment and thank every one of the men and women who have served our great nation and their contributions to the defense and, and security of the United States of America. But you know, in addition, today is also the anniversary of the end of World War One. You know what a great combination of things to happen on the same day but it it also signals that you know this isn't just an American thing you know that there's you know democracies all around the world that have had to defend their nations as well, and many of them shoulder to shoulder with the United States of america so you know, for those of you that are listening, that may be a veteran, thank you. Thank you so much for what you've done for our country. And everyone else, you know, we all know someone who has served in, you know, the military. Yeah, if you come across those people today, please reach out, shake a hand, buy it, buy a lunch, buy a coffee, do whatever. But thank these people the sacrifices that they have made the struggles that they are still having to deal with the images that they can't get out of their head you know we think we have fatigue and you know stress in our world i can even imagine what it's like having to pick up a rifle and being told you know you're going overseas to protect this country so again We need to thank these folks for their service and my hats off to them, thank you. All right, so with that, let's get to today's guest. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this for so long. We have with us She Hacks Purple, otherwise known as Tanya Jenka. Tanya, how are you?
0: Good, Duncan, thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, well, thank you for agreeing to come on the show. It's one of these, episodes i've been looking forward to ever since we booked in it's been i don't know what a month yeah. maybe even longer since we got it all sorted but glad you're able to make it we're able to get this thing going now <clears throat> when we first approached you coming onto the show i i said you know obviously i know what you're doing with we hack purple right so that's mm-hmm. your company or or describe for yeah. the audience what we hack purple is about
0: So I started a training company that is I guess a little bit alternative okay. so we have so we hack purple right now concentrates on teaching people about how to create secure software so how to run an application security program, etc and we have on-demand training but we also have an online community that is actually being watched so we've had like a membership kind of club for the whole, almost all of 2020, where you get content and invites and we stream together and we do stuff. But we're opening up next month, a big online community. So imagine if you had Facebook as a platform, but mm-hmm. there was privacy, no advertising, wait, no tracking.
1: You don't have privacy with Facebook? What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also no mean people allowed. And then everyone was interested in cybersecurity and then lots of articles and then events and kind of hanging out and live streaming and stuff. And so, yeah, we're launching that right before Christmas. And we're all pretty excited at the We Hack Purple team.
1: That is awesome. And I hate to tell you, but you're your Canadian bit just... <laughs> all right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Don't worry. We all have our faults. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm i kidding. I'm just kidding. So that is awesome. You know, and I guess in light of, oh my gosh, it, it just left me the website that shut down recently, the cybersecurity website.
0: Oh, oh, yes, Purelist.
1: Yes, thank you. I don't know why don't... the name just left me, but with Purelist shutting down, obviously that there's kind of a void there now of some kind of, you know, I don't want to say social media website for InfoSec, but essentially that's what it is, right? So interesting what you're doing there, I'll be amongst the first to join and participate and see what that's all about. So how can folks actually participate in that?
0: So it's, well, we're not opening it for a few more weeks, but it's (laughs) community.wehackpurple.com.
1: Oh, that'll be great. Easy enough. Yeah. Awesome. So is there an expected time frame? Like is it January-ish?
0: Uh, we're thinking it, we're hoping we're gonna open it right before Christmas with the idea that it could be like a Christmas present to yourself. It's I was so, <laughs> so unlike that. So unlike Pieralist, it's not free. It's gonna be 10 bucks a month mm-hmm. or 99 a year, but it turns out that paying moderators means that everyone's actually harassment free and safe and All of that and that not, yeah. We're also inviting in a lot of people to create content. And when you get to a certain reputation level, then you're allowed to publish content as well. Because we want to make it a place where everyone can share. But as we know, there are some people that are part of our industry that aren't
1: frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. And we want to make like a place where everyone has respect and gets treated well and just gets to learn and there's no stupid questions. And there's gonna be areas for people that know a lot that have been in it forever and other people that are brand new or people that are studying our courses, et cetera, so that they can have support and make friends. And we're also gonna have a jobs area. So if you follow it, you will get job updates. And if you don't follow it, no one will bother you <laughs> because and we were going to post free jobs if it's an introductory level because oh, everyone, wants a, right? okay. everyone wants right? a senior security person, but what we really, so like we hack purple basically is making the community to support the school mm-hmm. mostly so that all of our students have support. The idea being like, okay, so if we can introduce them for brand new grad type of jobs and we can like make those connections for them then we feel as an academy like if all of our students can find good jobs then we're like yes awesome right
1: that is that's fantastic hats off to you for the efforts i wish you much 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 success with that and you know i i guess Get queued up folks and get prepared for this community.wehackpurple.com and being able to participate, join, contribute, fantastic. You know, so we kind of, I guess, put the cart before the horse a little bit, you know, I don't like to put words into people's mouths or short them on all the credit that they're due. Tanya, if you don't mind, how about we just step back for a moment and let you introduce to the audience who you are, what your background is and why I've invited you on the show, basically.
0: Okay. So I am a giant nerd on the internet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm an internet I, nerd.
0: I know like when I go to a party and people are like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, "What?" so I. I started programming uh, in the early nineties and then I started working in tech in the late nineties and I was writing software and I tried starting my own company, which did not work, but it was still very exciting. And then basically
1: I. So you started this when you were a toddler then, is that what you're (laughs) telling me? Because I'm looking at you here and I'm thinking, uh, this is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in my
0: forties, but really though, I come from a family of all computer scientists, like all my aunts are computer scientists and three, no, four out of my five uncles are computer scientists. And then lots of my cousins are. And so when I was like, I think I want to take computer science in college, my whole family was like, yeah, we know. What else would you do? Like we don't, we as a family don't know how to do other things. So then I, I started learning about security maybe seven or eight years ago. I got Really excited! I got a professional mentor who was an ethical hacker, and at first he's like, "You should become a hacker. You'd be so good." And I was like, "No, software development is the best thing on the planet. There's nothing I'll love more." (laughs) And he spent a year and a half like luring me to the dark side. (laughs) And then, and then my next professional mentor pushed me to give presentations, and I was like, "This sounds terrifying. There's no way I wanted to," but. He I was um in bands for a long time and I was a professional musician for a long time and I've actually been lots of punk rock bands and even a hardcore band. So oh cool. And so he's like, it's just the same except for you don't get a guitar or a drum set in front of you. I'm like, that sounds terrifying.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> just get a microphone.
0: And I know. i am like usually I just like smash things with sticks and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, yeah and i I, I, just... I can't
1: play. Not anymore, at least.
0: <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. But you, but basically like it turned into this thing where people were telling me, hey, will you come in and train our devs on security? Because you keep talking at conferences and writing blogs and stuff. And can you just come in and train? And I was like, okay. And it turns out, Duncan, that's a job.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> and so now that's my full-time job. I started a company and I make training and help people create secure software. And I even... Wrote a book.
1: You did. Is it maybe about Alice and Bob? Ah, oh, there it is. Alice and Bob Absolutely. or application <laughs> security. <laughs> Love you know, the cover. I, it, it's so <laughs> cheesy. It it's beautiful. It is.
0: It it is the prettiest security textbook. I feel I can say confidently, it's the prettiest security textbook.
1: <laughs> I, I will give you pretty. It, it is definitely that with the purple background and everything. So, what's the book about? I mean, you know, we can read the title, but honestly, you know, get to the deep tissue of it. What can I uh, expect?
0: So, basically, I, to,
1: before you do, just yeah. to repeat the title. So, folks listening, you know, on their ear pods or whatever, it is Alice and Bob Learn Application Security. Is that correct? Yes, from All Riley right. Books. Yes, from one. Um, so, which we also have some commonality in, but we'll get to that oh, in, yes. in a moment. We'll get to that in a mm-hmm. moment. Alice and Bob, not Alice and Chains, Alice and Bob.
0: <laughs> Although Alice and Chains is also awesome, just to be clear.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, basically, when I wanted to learn about AppSec, <laughs> I joined. OWASP. I read on the internet. I followed this really awesome woman named Sunny Ware. And she has this online course on Cyber. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's awesome. But I felt like there was no book on how do you do AppSec and how do you make secure software. So I've seen like there's some really good books out there. Like Laura Bell wrote a book about adding security to agile. And I was like, this book's awesome. And then Julian, and I'm so embarrassed because I've said his name three times this week and I forget how to pronounce his last name, like it starts with a B and I'm saying it wrong, but he wrote a book about adding security to DevOps, like how to formally add those processes. And that book was awesome. But I was like, could someone summarize secure coding and secure design for me? And like what security requirements should I have if I'm doing, you know, web app or an API or serverless? Right. And, like, how do you run an AppSec program? Like, how do you make one? How do you run one? And so Wiley approached me about writing a book about AppSec. And they said, write up what you think you would want to write about. And I said, well, I want to have stories in it, but I also want it to be highly technical. But the stories help explain to people who are. Does that make sense? Like,
1: so we can absolutely it does. Storytelling helps the reader or the viewer, the listener relate right because you're putting it into terms that they're able to understand completely outside of the technical realm and that's what is so missing i think in people's soft skills is how to communicate right and how to share information in a way that doesn't make the other person or persons feel stupid or you know talking above their level of comprehension we've got to be able to break these topics down into small consumable bites that they can swallow right and that's what's so critical in that storytelling so i fully support what you're doing there so continue
0: thank you oh yeah so alice and bob have jobs and they have personal lives and families and health conditions Mm -hmm. and when you pick this security header this can make them safe or not safe or protect their personal information or not and so there's all these different stories and a lot of them are from my life and i, I joke that oh, i'm really from age 31 to now and bob is me from age 16 to 31.
1: oh that's so cool
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> like all these different things that happen with bob where he's, he's like, oh, this or that, or for instance, so I was on the hacker book club last night and I was reading to them, you know, Alice starts this job as an executive in charge of IT. And they say to her, well, we want to switch from Java strats over to spring boot for our Java. And she's like, why, how much is this going to cost? And then they lay out this return on investment plan and this migration plan and how it's Mm -hmm. going to improve security. And she's like, oh, well, this is awesome, approved. (laughs) But how, like, how you can explain it to an executive so they understand why and you can show them value. Do you know what I mean? Because I find, I don't know about you, Duncan, but getting buy-in for security projects, they're like, that's a cost center. I'm like, no, no, let's look at, let's look at it in a different way, right? Like, look at the value I can provide, the improvement to our reputation, and also, like, preventing all these future really expensive, awful things from happening.
1: You know what I've found, honestly, in my 20-plus years in this industry and m- the majority, 18 of those years around consulting, is it's harder and harder these days to talk about ROI and, you know, what your 90-day return is going to be versus your, you know, 12-month and all this stuff and the metrics that go into that what we deal with is risk plain and simple and risk is the language of the boardroom so when i'm able to take a proposed product or project and break it down into risk there's three types right there's legal there's reputational and then there's financial Right. So if you're able to talk about the financial risk of what happens if we don't implement this security product or project to provide mitigation against this threat, here's what the risk is to the organization. And when we can put it into those terms, rather than throwing a dart at the wall and saying, I'm projecting that we're going to see a 3x return on our investment in the first six months that's hogwash because all you're doing is like i said proposing you're projecting this is with the risk we can absolutely say this is a risk to our organization based upon these threat metrics right so that's what's ended up working for me okay anything else on Alice and Bob in their journey.
0: I literally could talk for hours, but I know we <laughs> want to talk about another book from
1: we Wiley. We do. Can we show it? Here we go. It is finally in print. Went to print in September 16th, I believe, is when Amazon released Tribe of Hackers Blue Team Edition. Finally mm-hmm. in print. It is tribal knowledge from the best in defensive cybersecurity spearheaded by the infamous Marcus J. Carey, who was actually the very first guest on Cyber Speaks Live when we launched the day before the Tribe of Hackers Summit in Austin, which we also went to. If you missed out on the Tribe of Hackers Summit. If you weren't able to join us in Austin, if you haven't already viewed the live recording, there is six and a half hours of unbelievable presentations by contributing authors to the original Tribe of Hackers book, which I believe Tanya also has at the ready. There you see it. That's beautiful. Wiley has also republished that under their brand. So does really? Yeah, they they have it under their brand as well. So the whole jacket and everything has changed, but the content inside and the jewels in wisdom that each of those contributors shared was unbelievable. And for those of you that may not be aware of exactly what I'm talking about, the Tribe of Hackers book series basically interviews different infosec cybersecurity professionals around the globe and ask them to respond to the exact same 14, 15, 16 questions. And what you end up getting is this just amazing melting pot of different people's backgrounds, experiences, knowledge that they're sharing in responding to those same questions. So you can look at the answers that you know tanya gives, I give Marcus gives, etc, and be able to see from different lenses what their perspective is in response so it started off with just the tribe of hackers, the original edition, then the tribe of hackers red team, which is obviously looking towards the penetration penetration testing, offensive security types Tanya's showing that on screen right now. then we had the green. Edition, which was for security leaders. So the CISOs, the CIOs, you know, the ones who are leading these security teams and talking about how to do things like build a proper AppSec program, right? And being able to do security by design and, you know, just leading tremendous leadership insights. And now the Blue Team Edition which i am so proud to be one of the contributing authors along with tanya and i think we have 42 if i'm not mistaken i I can't remember but it says inside the the table of contents which they do number oh there's 54 in this one yeah 54 different contributing authors each providing their perspective now if you're part of the live audience we're giving away a copy of the Blue Team Edition. All you have to do, Tanya's just having a ball over there. It's like the Wheel of Fortune and Savannah White. All you have to do to enter today's giveaway for the Tribe of Hackers signed edition is just tweet about today's show and tag at CyberSpeaks Live to be automatically entered. And then at the end of the show, we're going to use uh, a pretty cool site that I just found out about last night from L.O. Punk's uh, presentation for her new company and the cybersecurity nonprofit organization. That was just a great presentation. You did a fabulous job, L, but they introduced me to a a great tool to be able to give away stuff like this on the show. So we're going to get to that in just a bit. But first, um, you know, Tanya, when we first set out on doing this, we were talking about AppSec, skills shortage, mentoring, right? All these things. So let's just talk about AppSec as it applies to, well, first let's just define what AppSec is in your mind.
0: So, Application security or AppSec for sure is Mm -hmm. all the things that you do to make sure your software is secure. So it could be security testing. It could be implementing a secure coding guideline. It could be hearing on a podcast that there is a vulnerability in this framework that you use at work in certain versions, you going in and checking and saying, oh no, that's really scary. We have that that version. We should probably upgrade to the newer version so that we're safe. Mm -hmm. All of that is application security. Okay. So that is the art of securing software or battle depending upon who you talk to. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. <laughs> so <laughs> what would be in, in your opinion, the resource, human resource availability for AppSec roles today from like a skills shortage perspective? <laughs>
0: I would say that we do not have enough people with the experience and training in order to do all of the jobs. I joked when I left Microsoft, so I would love Microsoft to start my own company, but I was joking like a white van's gonna come up on the street and they're just gonna throw me in and they're like, secure our software. (laughs) It's so so difficult to hire an application security person who has job experience, and also as especially one that has soft skills or maybe we could call them instead communication skills or professionalism
1: right um, <laughs> and that stuff you can't teach you you just can't you can try to mentor you can guide but you can't really teach you know how to be an effective communicator how to be a kind person how to be empathetic right And that, that actually fits very nicely into one of the questions that we had, you know, as folks were registering, we do give them the option to ask a question for our guests that they'd like answered on the air. And there was one actually that April had asked, and that is, what is one skill you wish that all InfoSec peeps possessed?
0: I wish that they had the ability to empathize with whoever the business unit person is that needs to get their job done Mm -hmm. and that they could understand. I wish that they could adopt the model that our job is to enable every other person in the business to do their job securely. Like if we could all have that slogan that mantra go through our head before every meeting. Okay, so these devs need to put out this feature by this date, but I want what they put out to be secure. So how can we like kind of mind meld ourselves together and make that happen? As opposed to, I've got these rules, you have to jump through this gate. And if you don't, you're not going, you're not gonna get to go to prod. And instead adopt like, okay, they're going, how can I make sure they get there safely?
1: Exactly. Because when we when we want to, and I'm trying not to say the word enforce, but when we implement, let's say that, our security mm-hmm. controls in whatever measure, right, whether if it's AppSec, whether if it's endpoint security, web application, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, we are, in a sense, inconveniencing. Those that are build-in testing, deploying those services or capabilities inside of the organization, because we're having to go through secure code reviews. We're having to go through you know, lab testing and pilot deployments and all these kinds of things. And it's that convenience versus security catch-22. Right so yeah. how do we ease that burden on the organization how do we convince them we're their partner how do we how do we get them on our side in what it is we're trying to do while empathizing as you were saying yeah. that that key soft skill of empathy how do we empathize, empathize with what their challenges are and what they're trying to accomplish, and why they have the perception that that is more important than what we're trying to do,
0: okay, so I have an answer, but also we hack Purple has a course on this <laughs> let me give you the short answer. So we need to provide Devon ops, the tools, the processes, and the resources so that they can get their jobs done securely, and then we need to support culture change. So we start with, you know, making sure they have every like tool, like, like, I mean, like a scanner, let's say, so they have all those things they need, but other tools, like a secure coding guideline that actually makes sense that has code samples. So they know what to do, or there's a wiki where they can add things, or there's a secure coding library where they can share templates. Mm-hmm. So we get them all the different resources they need. We train them, show them how to use all those things and support them. And then Wait, wait, it was training, yeah, training tools and resources. And then we have to help change the culture. And so I actually have a talk on the internet about this called, why can't we build secure software? Because my dad was like, it's 2016, Tanya. Why can't we build secure (laughs) software yet? What have you even been doing?
1: I'm, I'm like, my God.
0: <laughs> I'm like, sorry, dad, I'll really get right on it. And he's like, yeah, 2017, let me know because it's like, this is ridiculous. I, know. Sure I It
1: was before we started recording or not. So let's just reiterate. Tell me about your family history as far as the computer science.
0: <laughs> it was after we started recording. It's just every, okay. okay. All night, all my aunts and most my uncles and my dad has a technology diploma. yeah, my mom's a mathematician chemist. Wow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure okay. you're making all of them very proud. <laughs> I'm sure they see you as highly accomplished in your field and you are. So yeah. in their face, yeah. dad.
0: <laughs> no, he's still like, why are they all still running around making insecure stuff for Tanya? He's like, I see you are really doing your part though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I's okay. he doing his part. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, well, he's retired, so yeah uh. but <laughs> he does try, he does try. but I feel like um getting buy-in, there's lots of different things we could do to get buy-in, but I'd usually advise always start like if you want to track bees, start with honey and then eventually get to vinegar and I feel like some security people start with vinegar, so for instance, if there is a policy and someone's violating it, I will go up and say, hey, what are you trying to do? Because I see you're doing this. And like, we have policy, so obviously you're not supposed to do that, but like, what are you trying to accomplish? Let's make sure you can accomplish that thing and we'll worry about the broken policy later because most of them are not thinking, I'm gonna violate policies because I don't respect the security team. They're probably thinking, oh crap, I have this deadline, my boss has for this, how do I do it? Right. And so I look at whatever's happening and what they need to get done. And it's like, let's find a way for you to do that so that I'm not terrified of what you're doing. And then that usually helps a lot. Yeah. Oh, I suddenly can't hear you. I am not sure what's happening.
1: Well, that's because I was on you.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you're seeing
1: my right. lips moving, nothing coming out of Yeah. Sorry. I, I try to beat myself while you're talking. So back to kind of our overarching themes. And mm-hmm. I think, particularly, one of the things that I'm seeing, and I'm sure you are as well, is I am seeing this pivoting that's occurring from a lot of these peripheral roles in corporations whether if it's you know someone that's in the dev team or maybe they're working on the help desk whatever and they're wanting to transition into more of a security related focus and god bless them because we do need the help right back to your dad's comments you know this is 2020 now and we're still facing the same problems that we were in 2016 and in nineteen ninety six, you know, we're still facing a lot of the same battles. So we need folks coming into this industry. We need them tooling up on their skill sets. We need them coming out of university with their cybersecurity, you know, degrees and, and what they've learned there. But is that going to be enough? Or are we still looking at a skill shortage, in your opinion?
0: Oh, I thought you were going to ask how to get into InfoSec. So I shared a PDF on how to do that in the chat. But how are we going to fill the skills shortage? So I'm actually well. So let's, this
1: might... let's go back to what you were saying. then. Okay. Yeah, because it is kind of a, a transition, and you know, definitely that's one of the focuses as well. Is how does one get into InfoSec to begin with?
0: Yeah. So I had. I had the entire community in Ottawa helping me get into InfoSec. I I had the best, nicest, easiest transition ever because I'd already been a dev for like 17 years. And I had all these amazing individuals go to bat for me. So my professional mentor actually told the employer where he was gonna go consult, I'm not coming unless Tanya's coming. And that is amazing, right? And in the interview, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, no like I'm not coming unless she's there. So you better write her back. And wow. I had interviewed and they told me I wasn't experienced enough. And he's just like, well, if you want me, I need her because she does because I would write the reports and do the crappy parts. He didn't like. <laughs> um, but I was like, it's all learning, right? It's awesome. And then of course, I wrote a script to write the reports because that's how I am. But yeah. Having someone go to bat for you like that, that is not normal. And so I came up with a list of things, which so I shared a link to the PDF in the chat, but first start by getting a professional mentor, which we are going to talk about soon.
1: Yes, we will do
0: that. Yeah. And then also how to self-study, how to train yourself, how to network, joining different places within your community. So I know with COVID right now, there's a lot of We can't, you know, we can't go to a meetup because of COVID, Yeah. but now because of COVID, all these things have gone online, which means you can theoretically go anywhere in the world. So my little local meetup has had people attending from all over the place. It's really awesome.
1: It is, you know, and I've been, I've been blessed by a lot of the resulting benefits if if, i don't want to say it like that the results of covid because like you said everything has gone virtual and we're able to now have these events instead of connecting with the san antonio or houston hackers associations or you know going to b-sides in dallas austin san antonio you know we're able to Go to b-sides events in newcastle you know we're able to go to new dubai and all these other events that are being hosted around the world and they're open they're free they're taking calls for papers so you can present on an international scale and let me tell you folks that stuff looks good on a resume if you have a little speaker section and you're talking about having presented in london and you know in toronto and vegas and all it looks good you know, but more importantly, it's given back to the community, you know, and that's one of the things that I am very passionate about. It's why I do this show. It's why I do present at B-Sides events. It's why I help organize them. I try to be as actively involved in the community as possible because I remember what it was like when I was coming up. I remember being in my mid-20s trying to fight kick and claw my way up in this world of, you know, systems management and enterprise security. And I had folks helping me out in the early days and building me up and giving me confidence and giving me their wisdom and their experience, right? I have to give back. I'm obligated to give back. That's why I do take mentoring so seriously. And, you know, I keep myself limited on the number of individuals that I'm mentoring because I want to be able to focus on them. I want to give them my time and attention. And if I'm taking on a dozen folks and trying to men- I'm not even going to be able to keep their names straight, unless their situations and what they're trying to accomplish with their career. And that's my focus is what are you trying to accomplish? You know, if you're just trying to build a name for yourself, I'm not the guy for you. If you're trying to provide for your family, get have a better life, you know, learn from your mistakes and do better in the future, I'm probably that guy you want to talk to because that's what I was going through in my life. But you have done something really awesome when it comes to mentoring. Can we talk about mentoring Mondays and what that's about?
0: Yeah, so it's actually called Cyber Mentoring Monday now because when we started, so I started a hashtag on Twitter called Cyber Mentor, or called Mentoring Monday, and it got so huge that other companies started using it, other industries started using it, and it got so huge people couldn't find this, the InfoSec related posts.
1: You were a victim of your own success.
0: Yeah, so we changed it to Cyber Mentoring Monday late last year, and I still sometimes will retweet the Mentoring Monday stuff, but it's hard because it's literally like 1 in 20 or 1 in 30 now. It's cybersecurity related, and also this ad agency got a hold of it, and they drowned us out for like six or seven weeks straight, and that's what prompted the move. Like, I can't drown out 150 tweets that are just, do you know what I mean? So, and Uh, I wanted... Totally, totally. Yeah. So cyber mentoring Monday, every single Monday for the past few years now, basically I tweet out in the morning, Hey, are you looking for a professional mentor in InfoSec? Are you someone who has experience and is open to sharing it with someone less experienced than you? Let's use this thread or use the hashtag and let's come together. Let's pair people up and make friends and network and find jobs and start careers. And the information security community has overwhelmed me literally repeatedly, constantly, over and over again with their generosity. So people with two years experience, people with 20 years experience, people who are really, really good at this, just this one thing and are super willing to share or even tutor people, people sending people like, here's this blog post I wrote because, you know, you're having this problem and I thought this would help you. Like every single thing, just so generous all the time. And so, yeah, every week, a lot of people go on to Cyber Mentoring Monday and say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor. I am, you know, attempting the OSCP, let's say, as an example. And they're, they're trying to do the OSCP, which is really hard. And then Someone else will swoop in and say like, I wrote this, this blog detailing my journey, or um, there's this woman named Rana Khalid from Ottawa and she's amazing. And she did every single Jack in the box, like hack in the box, VM, and then documented every single one of them of what she did to help people through. And so all these people are just sharing back and forth and being totally awesome with each other. And then I'm just like the person at the party that introduced them. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And so every Monday we've been doing that and it has resulted in a lot of people finding jobs, a lot of people making new friends, like long-term friendships and relationships, people introducing people to other people and then job interviews. I was at a conference last year called DefendCon and this man came up to me and he's like, I would like to buy you a copy. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I wanna thank you because I did Cyber Mentoring Monday. And I started mentoring this woman that just finished computer science And I just hired her full-time to my AppSec team. And she and I (laughs) put on this awesome human. And like, she's so amazing and, and this and that. And he's just like, and she's happy and I'm happy. And like, you know, like the whole office. And I'm just like, oh, that's wonderful. And I'm just like, oh, my heart's melting. And so yeah, every single Monday on the internet. So I don't meet each person and interview them and then pair them because I tried that. So I I've tried like a bunch of things. So we had this live event in Ottawa where I paired people and like all the mentors made a speech and then they did like kind of like a speed dating round with each potential mentee. And it turned out like that didn't work really well. And it turns out it's way better if someone puts out the call and says like, listen, I really want to learn AppSec, you know, like I have all this programming experience. I'm super obsessed with the security of software, you know, where do I start? And then a bunch of people will kind of give them clues, but then that one person they keep talking to ends up becoming their mentor. And so it turns out me pairing people was a disaster because I'm like, she seems nice, she seems nice, boom. And it turns out like they need to figure that out for themselves, which is awesome. And so, yeah. And sometimes we have to do it a bunch of times. So yeah, if you're you're listening and you try one week and you don't find someone, try again and tag me and I will retweet you every single Monday until we find you someone. And also sometimes I'll critique their tweet. So if they're like, yeah, I want a mentor. Like, okay, so let's rewrite this so it's better. So like, what are you looking for? Like, what interests you? Where are you at? Like you're trying to attract someone. So let's be specific about what your goals are or how much you've worked so far. Like, yeah, I want a mentor that doesn't, like. If like, let's say someone's like, I really want to mentor someone. I want to get back to the community. If they see that, they're like, I have no idea if I'm the right person for them. I don't know what they want. Like you're, you're building this barrier around yourself when you do that. And so I'm like, you need to open up and be like a little vulnerable and say like, listen, so, so far I've been studying these things and doing that. And like, this is my job experience and this is my goal. I want to get here. And you know, it's scary to share that on the internet, but Mm -hmm. those are the tweets that attract all the mentors.
1: You're right. And, you know, I I have never set out or or had the thought, I want to mentor someone, right? It's one of those things that's kind of happened organically and naturally for me. And I'm blessed. And, you know, for those of you that are out there thinking, I need help with finding the path. I, I need help with. Knowing what the next right thing to do is for my career, for my family, for my mental health, you know, I, trust me when I tell you, do not be afraid to ask someone to be your mentor, to look for that person that you admire, that you look up to in this industry or whatever industry you're in. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask them, say, Hey, you know, I really need someone to help me with knowing what to do next. Would you mind just sharing some time with me over the next couple of months to get these things figured out and take it from there? Let me tell you something. It, you're going to be hard pressed to find a no because people do want to help. They do want to be involved, they want to help mentor the next generation coming up or those that are looking to make these pivot moves because they respect what you're trying to accomplish and they want more folks in InfoSec. But I can say this with absolute certainty. I get so much more out of mentoring than I think they ever get as my mentee. I mean that with All my heart. I have to do that mirror reflection when I'm talking with these folks. And I have to put myself into check because I can't, in good conscience, tell them what they're supposed to be doing in their lives and in their career and in their family situation, whatever, if I'm not willing to do it myself. You know, I'm not going to ask you to do anything more than what I'm willing to do. So that means I kind of have to stay at least 15 minutes ahead of them. Right. But it's that emotional satisfaction, that spiritual satisfaction that I get when I hang up that call or end that zoom meeting with one of my mentees that I just, I take that deep sigh, let it out. And my wife has caught me before where I just have this smile from ear to ear, you know, and, and she's called me out on, she's like, who's mentoring who here? I said, I don't know, but we're having a blast doing it together. You know, would you agree with that synopsis?
0: I could not agree more, Duncan. Last year I was nominated for an award in Vegas and a woman I've been mentoring for a few years was also nominated for the same award. And when she won, I like flipped, out i was so happy for her we're like hugging and jumping down i'm like i'm so proud of you and it was like this most i'm gonna cry it was like such this wonderful thing to see her succeed and just be so amazing and we're actually talking this morning and like when you see a person succeed like you see them get promoted you see them find that new job you see you're just like oh my gosh i'm so proud of you it's like such an amazing wonderful feeling and also they teach me so much sometimes it's you putting something into words that you hadn't realized was a thing that you do and sometimes it's the questions they ask you and sometimes it's seeing them go kick butt in a way where you're just like this person is schooling me look at them go yep it's so rewarding to mentor someone and to share your knowledge it feels amazing to see them do well and Yeah, and I I also agree with what you said earlier. Like you can't mentor like 12 or 15 people because then you're going to be that mentor they never ever see or
1: talk to. Right, right. Um, And that's one of the things that I do. I don't know what your approach is, but when I first start mentoring someone, we have at least biweekly, every two weeks, meetings, if not weekly at, at the start because we have a lot to get through on the onset you know and they're going to have some homework assignments and i gotta kind of keep tabs on them motivate them make sure that they're following through with these things and then as we start to come out of that honeymoon phase it stretches out so we'll do like monthly calls and with a couple of my folks i'm only mentoring three people and that's kind of my My max we'll have monthly zoom meetings and, you know, I love what we're starting to see now because, because of the COVID situation and work from home and stuff, you know, their spouses are in the background. They're hearing the conversations they're coming into the conversations because it, you can't just approach it from a strictly work related position. Because if you're truly going to mentor someone in their professional career, there may be impacts on their home life, their availability. You know, if we're talking about someone going back for a master's or completing an undergraduate degree, or maybe they want to go after a particular industry certification, that's time commitment, significant time commitment. And where does that come from? Their time with their family. Right. So we have to account for that aspect and they come into the conversations and I get to meet their wives and their children and get to know them on an intimate level. We talk about religion and spirituality and these things, you know, because it all goes into the mental health and and their state of mind and where they're coming from, because all these things make up who you are, what we do for a living. That's just it, folks. It's just a way to make a paycheck. Ultimately, we're in this game because we do have some principles, but at the end of the day, we're looking to get paid. This job is not the end all and be all of my existence. I am somebody outside of InfoSec, and we forget that sometimes. We get so consumed because we're spending so much of our damn day on our devices, connected to social media, all part of this and our job. Where are we in the process? When do we get to take a step back and just be an individual in our own skin? You know, and this is one of the things that we have to think about because if you're going to spend 20, 30 years in infosec, it's a long haul folks, let me tell you, and you have to have the fortitude and you have to have the mental skills to be able to survive and to thrive in this industry. With that in mind, you know, mentorings and and finding a mentor, those aren't a easy task. Do you have any last tips before we get into our Q&A about how to best find or how to best mentor an individual? I'll let you take either one.
0: I have one more thing I want to add is confidentiality. So when you... Yeah, so when you're having a mentoring relationship, you should assume that everything that your mentee says to you is confidential and vice versa. But hope. You,
1: you can get a yeah. confession, so it's all leaving my lips.
0: Yeah, it's really important. And having a mentor, like it's one thing to have a mentor say like, I'm I have this person, I've been teaching them this stuff, they're amazing, like they've done. And then like they list your accomplishments and say all this awesome stuff about you. I wouldn't say that's breaking confidentiality as long as it's like public stuff that you've done. But I, I have seen one instance where a mentor said a whole bunch of things and because the person was the mentor, yeah, it resulted really badly. And so you should assume that everything that your mentor or mentee says to you is confidential and not share it unless you have permission. So usually I just ask permission. I just say, so I know you're looking for a job and you're not really like out about it but I know this person that's looking like, are you cool for an intro? And yeah, then they usually they're like, yes, but sometimes they say no. They're like, oh, that person knows my boss or mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not actually like my resume is not ready and stuff. Can we check back in a month? And like, I'm not sure if I wanna leave, et cetera, right? So I find if you just ask your mentee or, or mentor, but usually mm-hmm. the other way around, like say, hey, are you cool with an intro? Are you cool with this? Are you cool with that? Because sometimes they're not. Yeah, Your consent is cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You bring up an a extremely valid point, and it goes to that trust. You know, you have to establish that trust from the very beginning and ensure that everything spoken is in confidence. Because without that, you have no communication, and or what you do, you're going to violate. So excellent yeah. thank you for bringing that up okay we're at the top of the hour but okay i don't want to cut it off without getting to our q a so okay. let's see we got to april's question let's ask sam's question here sam asks, what advice would you give wait you can't answer this what advice would you give over 30s right <laughs> <laughs> we are looking to cross train from a non-security role who are interested in joining infosec. I think that's a great question. So, how do, you know, folks that are in midlife, right, 30 something, mm-hmm. how do they make that pivot? What would you suggest as let's say their first couple of steps to make to be able to have a successful career in infosec?
0: So, I was in my 30s when I switched. So, you can do it. It's very possible. So, I would start with figuring out what the thing is that you want. So that I found really hard because my first mentor was a pen tester and my second and third, and was it my fourth too? We're all pen testers. I thought I wanted to be a pen tester and I spent a lot of time learning that. And then it turned out my true love was application security, which is a different role. Like there's a lot of overlap and that's cool but it turns out I was really unsatisfied with pen testing. Like leaving an engagement was really hard for me. And so AppSec is where I belong. And that took a while. Yeah, exactly. And so figuring out what thing you want to concentrate on is, is first. And so I, I actually started a podcast. So first of all, if you're listening, subscribe to Duncan's podcast. Okay. And then Second, you might want to check out mine, which is the We Hack Purple podcast, because I name everything that. Right. Basically, I, w- I wanted to know what every single job was in InfoSec. So I wrote an article in January called Jobs and Information Security and listed just a bunch that I know about. And people, so it has gotten hundreds and hundreds of we- reads every week, and it got 40,000 reads the first week. Because wow. people don't know what the different jobs are. And so I, so, So, Duncan, you already know this secret. When you start a podcast, you basically get to invite super cool people on that you
1: always want (laughs) to meet,
0: and then you get to hang out with them. And so,
1: this is (laughs) all selfish.
0: I know it kind of is a little bit. And so, like, I, I wanted to know what all the different jobs are because although I love AppSec and I don't plan to change, I still like, I'm wicked curious, which is, I guess, part of why I'm good at this. Right. And so, like i'm interviewing people that do forensics people that are instant managers people that own startups but that aren't like my startup people that just like every single type of job like you do security awareness what's that like like how do you get everyone's attention when they're they're like we know don't click the links, blah right and so i'm interviewing them and talking about like what What is your job like? What's a day in the like? Does it pay well? Which we usually correlate between how much cheese you can buy. Like, can you buy any cheese you want in the grocery store? Are you that level rich?
1: Right. I can't buy the good brie. Okay, so we're going to wrap it up. I do want to get to one more quick question. Try to keep this one as uh, short as possible just so we can get to the raffle for the book as well. But Charlie asked a question question and I, I always love this one because I personally don't see the difference but I want to get your perspective do you agree with and or differentiate between information security and cybersecurity
0: I do so I believe that cyber or cybersecurity is the word that we use that any single person on the planet understands but right. when we say infosec or information security we are usually speaking to a peer Someone else that works in our field or kind of understands our field. That's the difference I tend to see. Do I still use the word cyber? 100% I do. But I wanted to name Cyber Mentoring Monday Infosec Mentoring Monday. And people were like, no, because a lot of people that aren't familiar with our field that want to switch into it, call it cyber. And everyone understands the word cyber.
1: For me, and I agree with what you're saying, uh, wholeheartedly I do, Partly why I call the show Cyber Speaks Live, right? But mm-hmm. ultimately, here's the issue that I have with it. Okay. InfoSec, like you said, mm-hmm. is information security. security. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole lot that goes on in cybersecurity that it is not necessarily data driven, right? It is not information. Mm-hmm. It could be hardware right yeah we're talking about a bios that has yes. a vulnerability in the way it's processing something that's not really information security in the sense sure. of data protection right and, and that's kind of i guess what i think of when i hear yeah. the full term information security i think about yeah. security data protection and i know it's also like you said it's our industry we're infosec people yeah but it's also just that being able to use the term that fits the situation charlie i i guess what we're saying is dude say whatever works for you this is a tired argument i guess just yeah. whatever you want but i just because i say cybersecurity doesn't mean i'm an old fart get that right folks yeah i've heard that <laughs> argument too that it, it's some kind of age bias yes yes oh that's true that that cybersecurity is what us old folks call it oh, kids, i kids the cool kids call it today
0: oh i didn't know cool kids had a word for
1: yeah me. yeah absolutely all right so we got to get to Our wheel, our wheel of names. So for those that have stuck around, thank you so much. We are here ready to give away the book and the odds are very good because we've lost a few, but here we go. I am fixing to spin the wheel for the signed edition of tribe of hackers. Can we see the
0: wheel?
1: Yeah, sure. Hold on. I thought I had it on screen, but there there we go so we have legitimacy there's no smoke and mirrors i'm gonna spin the wheel i don't know if you guys can hear this or not krishpa you are our winner yay (laughs) do you guys hear the applaud or is that just me we can't hear it yeah i I didn't think you would it's great applause going off with the confetti and all that so krishna get in touch I will contact you actually after the show to get some information, to be able to get that copy of Tribal Factors Blue Team from Wiley Publishing. Marcus J. Carey and Jen Jen, you guys are fabulous for putting together this book series. Unfortunately, I hate to say this. Tanya, we're not going to see a purple team edition.
0: Oh, we're not It's official. Oh,
1: yes. From the words of, or from the mouth of Marcus J. Carey himself, on our Blue Team episode, I did ask him if we'd see a Purple Team edition, and it was pretty emphatic: no.
0: He's probably like, we can't just interview Tanya for a
1: whole book, that's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: and she's already in the Blue Book and the Green Book. Like, that's enough.
1: Right. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's the case. So. <laughs> Maybe you put together your own purple team edition. Oh, All right, folks. Tanya, any parting words?
0: Just, I hope to see a bunch of you on Cyber Mentoring Monday, whether it be on the mentor side or the mentee side, or even just responding and sharing like, hey, follow these accounts, this will help you. Like all of it counts towards making people feel welcome in our industry.
1: Yep, and that's hashtag Cyber Mentoring Mentoring. Monday.
0: Monday. Yep.
1: Okay. So be sure to, to follow that hashtag. What is the best way for folks to get in touch with you or to follow?
0: So I am, she hacks purple everywhere. So on Twitter, on YouTube, I think I'm Tanya Janka on LinkedIn and you can follow me, but I'm not allowed more connections, which totally sucks. Or you can come to wehackpurple.com. I do all the things there. I mean there's a big team of us i'd like to be clear there's there's six of us working on the stuff but i am available there but yeah i do a lot of twitter i do a lot of tweeting
1: yeah i've heard of twitter before (laughs) (laughs) it sounds familiar
0: did we we meet there or something i don't know Uh,
1: (laughs) it's where i go for my drama series (laughs) well thank Thank you so much for being on the show you've been an absolute pleasure love your hair too great color of course it is purple folks at least partly okay so that's a wrap for this edition again remember our upcoming lineup next week it is going to be april murdoch and we're going to be talking about basically k-12 education cybersecurity. And not only what's going on there in some of the efforts that she's developed in in the organization, but, you know, how we can help contribute to truly the next generation coming up behind us and what we can do to help protect our youth school systems from potential attacks. So this is going to be a really, really good episode. I'm so looking forward to it. And the week after, it's just going to be great crack. Ian Murphy, Murph coming out. I cannot wait this one. I'm already laughing and he's not even in front of me yet. So, all right, folks, my name's Duncan Macklin. I am InfoSec War on Twitter. Uh, you can also feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I, because I'm not as popular as some people, you can still connect with me. So feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. And that's it. So with that, Thank you very much for being on the show, Tanya. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk with you next time.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cyber Speaks Live. Remember to visit our blog at cyberspeaks.com to sign up for our newsletter of upcoming episodes and special guest co-hosts. If you'd like to be a guest co-host or sponsor the show, please email us at speakup at cyberspeaks.com. That's all for this week, and as always, stay safe and secure out there.